Welcome to Dramas for the Side of Kimchi, the fangirl party every drama fan wants to join. Bring your kimchi and face mask and let's chat Asian dramas. I'm K-Muse. I'm K-Drama Jen. I'm Drama Geek. And we are super excited to announce that we'll be joining this year's KPSN Podcast Fest. The Podcast Fest is a two-day event featuring K-pop and K-drama podcasters from around the world getting together for interviews, live discussions, and performances. We'd love to have you join us on July 10th and 11th. The link for the event will be in our show notes. Those of you on Patreon, if you haven't already joined us, come join us on Discord. We're having a lot of fun discussing all of the current airing dramas, tons of classic dramas. We're about to start a group watch of Protect the Boss. And so we're having so much fun over there. And we would love if you all come joined us. And it is one of the perks for all the tiers of our Patreon. So look for the link in the below where today's post is and you will be able to join. And it's so much fun. I mean, we I spend way too much time checking in and responding to people. And I feel like it's been really fun because we actually are getting to know the people who've been listening. And so I'm, I know from listening to podcasts that I always feel like I know the people that are podcasting, yeah. but we don't really know the people who are listening. So this has been awesome just to kind of get to know people. Okay. We are going to spoil the heck out of Word of Honor. And I am so excited to talk about this because um, we've been doing kind of uh, like a positives only recap, but oh, we get to actually like dig in and talk about it. I'm really, really excited. So I think the first thing to chat about when we're doing this drama is where you can watch it on the off chance that you have not watched it, there's a lot of options. There's YouTube, Netflix, and Vicky. And I personally like the Vicky subs the best. And it has all the important Easter egg clip at the very end, which is in episode 37. And I've been told Netflix does not have that. So if you do watch on Netflix, make sure to go over on YouTube or ask one of your friends to screen share with you that it's like a 30 second <laughs> clip on Vicky. So just make sure you watch it because it changed the whole feel of the ending of the show. Mm-hmm. So let's start chatting about the various characters and we'll start with Saoji Shu. And I'm sorry if I screw up those pronunciations. We can it's call not him my strong Ashu instead. Like, uh, okay. Ashu. Yeah. Ashu. Yeah. Ashu. I can do that. Ashu. Yeah. <laughs> like Ashu, but yeah. Ashu. Ashu. Yeah. So he is oh, a gosh, professional I'm sorry, assassin. I'm having foods kind of flashbacks. <laughs> I'm so no sorry. I can't stop. <laughs> you can stuff your foods. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to stick her footsie up my... Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, sorry. Back to Ashu. <laughs> anyway, he is an ex-professional assassin. He was an assassin for the emperor of one of the main kingdoms and he was actually the cousin to the emperor and in order to get out of the assassin guild he has to stuff seven nails into his body slowly. and usually if what slowly well, i said slowly he did like one at a time to make yes. it really matter <laughs> 
Well, usually people that wanted to leave would stick them all in all at once Mm -hmm. and it would overload their chakras and they would die really fast. But he realized that if he puts one nail in every three months, he's still technically doing what he has to do to leave the guild, but he can get three years of life living if he just does each nail every three months. And so when he meets our our sexy, haughty soulmate, he's put, has he put all seven in or he's put in six? I it's think somewhere he's put in all seven. He's put in all seven? I think I think so. he just barely did. And so he still has 18 months to live, even though he's starting to lose like his hearing and his taste. And he doesn't have all of his um, fighting skills because his chi is all screwed up. Mm-hmm. So he's living the lifestyle of a homeless person who travels around enjoying wine. And that's kind of where we find him at the beginning of the show. He really enjoys his wine. I was gonna say, like, that does. wasn't an act. That um, was not an act. <laughs> well, the disguise was the act because he puts on a disguise where he has facial hair and he kind of looks different than he did when he was in the assassin mode. And so he's hiding from the emperor so he can live out his days and just drink wine. He has no ambition beyond drinking wine. And that pretty much sums him up, especially in the beginning, right? That he's he's got this past as this assassin, but he also feels very guilty because his brothers in arms, many of them were killed and he wasn't able to protect them. And so... um, you, he kind of lives with this feeling of guilt at the same time. So, yes. So as we are going along and then we meet, well, he meets his soulmate. Um, we get to meet when He calls him Lao, he calls him Lao Wen, like old, old Wen. Old Wen, later yes. On it. Yes, he does. Yeah. So old Wen, <laughs> who is not <laughs> old at all. Um, so he's the king of the Ghost Valley, and that's not something they let you know right away, but he is the king of the Ghost Valley, and he is getting revenge against the most boring thing in the whole world, which is called Five Lakes Alliance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they're glazed donuts from hell. Anyway, so like... Wait, what did you say? <laughs> So my kids were watching over my shoulder and I was like, I was like, they're trying to all they're fighting over this glazed armor so that they can find a cave that has all of these things in it, like that are locked away. And they were like, what? So there's like donuts inside. (laughs) (laughs) Glazed donuts. (laughs) So, yeah, that's. Um, and funnily, funny enough, they're in the, in the cave, we'll, we'll talk about later. That's kind of what you find inside is things to make glazed donuts, but, um, <laughs> or <pharma. laughs> he's a tiny bit crazy, but he's crazy hot when he's crazy. So we're happy when he goes all ghost Valley King crazy, but when he, pulls out the red eyeliner like (laughs) then we know but which is better his red eyeliner with his red outfit 
or Scorpion King's eyeliner because oh. I, I need lessons on how Scorpion King does his makeup because it was That's... fantastic. Yeah. A character for... that they introduced way too late in the show, in my opinion. But um, yeah, so he's a tiny bit crazy or a lot crazy. And he's at a point in his life where he needs uh, a drinking buddy for all the time, all the times, uh, every, every instance of his life, he needs his drinking buddy, his soulmate. So yeah, that's where we meet him is he's finishing out his revenge plan or starting his revenge plan. And, uh, and he meets his soulmate. I love their first meeting where that, well, it's not really their first meeting, but it's our first time realizing that it's their meeting where they, where they're doing their fancy footwork and fighting each other. Like, mm-hmm with the fan and the oh my goodness that was there that was i just love how um when is always like lounging and fanning himself at the beginning it's like really hot so hot (laughs) yes they're he knows how to wield a fan yeah does know how to wield a fan yeah it reminds me i mean I, i know like they're soulmates but it reminds me of like Legend of Fuyao, the the sexy fight scenes that the mm-hmm. two main characters would have mm-hmm. together. But really, it was a little something more. Right. That's what's happening in this drama. Mm-hmm. Every yeah. time they fight, it's almost like, you know, mm, look, look the other way. This is a metaphor <laughs> for. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. They're they're playing with their swords. <laughs> in a, <fan>. a lot. <laughs> and their flutes. <laughs> Okay. So, There's a lot of fellow symbols. We've got a next character for Jen to introduce. Who's who's the next character? Uh I have the next character. That would be Gu Shang. Mm-hmm. Uh so Gu Shang is this girl who is really more like a sister than an underling. She is uh Wen Kaxing's like sidekick and biggest confidant. She is really impulsive. She tends to act first and then think about it afterwards. Um, and then she ends up falling in love with this <laughs> the sweetest cinnamon roll ever. Okay, those are not my words. <laughs> That's not something I but would say. It but. describes him perfectly. He is, he is like just a little yeasty ball of goodness. <laughs> and, <laughs> and all the way and throughout, he, he was he was yeah, perfection for her all the way throughout. Just, and innocent and kind and just probably one of the like really good ones within the world within this uh special world the sect world so mm-hmm. <laughs> or pu- pugilist world yeah yes. i was trying to a lot more than i was sect. trying yeah. to figure out how to say it properly and it's sect- so S E C T not sect world i said sect Yes. Okay. But, oh, she is so much fun. And I am super crushing on this actress, especially by the end with her wedding scene. Mm. It was so gorgeous and dramatic. Yeah. And just, she was so good. Like, she really stood out. And I remember seeing that she was the only cast member that, came this was originally cast with a whole different cast and she was the only original cast member to transfer 
over to the secondary cast. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad she did because she was fabulous. She was. I did not know this was originally cast with other people. Yeah. Yes. The, the... And then it um, fizzled out. There was scheduling conflicts and stuff. And it, this is the second casting of the show. I can't imagine it with yeah. different leads. The two leads had to step in, I think, pretty fast and just kind of, you know, adopt the role and, and run with it. And they did. Like you said, I couldn't imagine anybody else being old man when <laughs> kissing and uh as you like they just they were their chemistry together as actors and their chemistry off screen and everything just it, it was perfection and then we also have Cheng Ling who is I really enjoyed this young actor i mean he's maybe mid-teens mm -hmm. i would say so he hasn't been in a lot that i've seen unless he's like youth characters um but he is the orphan of one of the five lakes alliance it's in a one of the well there's five of them <laughs> and it was five different brothers and I don't think they're directly related but were like adopted brothers by a master kind of thing and so um, he is the son, youngest son of one of the leaders and the ghost valley ghosts come and kill the rest of his family and he escapes and when and Ashu take him back and to the rest of his family. And he eventually ends up having Aju be his master and becomes the disciple to this um, house. And I think he's the second best cinnamon role because again, <laughs> he's not very competent in fighting. He's just like this cute smush of sweet little person that you just want to like pinch his little cheeks. <laughs> And he's adorable. Uh, I give him props because at first I thought he was a little bit whiny. And and like there was a couple of scenes where I'm just like, what is your problem? And then when I realized that he was harboring a piece of the glazed donut <laughs> in his body, <laughs> I was like, oh. I know. His dad like cut up his, open his stomach, stuffed it in and sewed him up. He it's did. like, that is gross. <laughs> yeah. So. He uh, he he definitely is a tougher character than he originally looks. Um, and then part some of my favorite scenes in the middle section toward the end is once he starts learning from at like being discipled and he starts learning and he has to like be tied to the rope and like pull things and learn the footwork and all that kind of stuff. And then there was one fight that he did with the girl where all he kept doing was the footwork and she's just like what are you doing and he goes this is all i know like i don't know how to fight <laughs> like so he needs to get that poor kid like a wrist uh knife or something like that like or like a bracelet because you know aju has the the sword belt where he pulls it out from his his belt and so he needed a little like bracelet that pulled out into a little sword or something but i don't think he ever got a sword he did toward the no, end get the little needle little. he did a little bit yeah but i don't know if he yeah. ever <laughs> i don't he think he ever fought with one. his little fancy footwork <laughs> that he knew how to do <laughs> but well and i 
I loved that at the end we did get a scene where he's telling the story mm-hmm. of um, yes, and he has his little new little disciples and his wife, and it made me happy that I got to see his future. Yeah, that was sweet. So. So we have several story arcs throughout the drama. And let us talk first about our soulmates, Aju and Wen Kishing. Um, When they say soulmates, what do they really mean? And how is it used successfully in this drama? And we all know uh, that there are sensors that have to be um, passed, you know, through before a drama gets on air. And so for them, soulmates can mean whatever the sensors want it to mean or don't want it to mean or whatever. But you can just look at them looking at each other and you know what soulmates mean. But, you know, you can watch the drama and come up with your own conclusion. But they have found the person they want to spend the rest of their life with. However you take that. However you take Your that. perfect person. <laughs> they are perfectly matched for one another. Um and prove it that by the end, it's one of those where, you know, a lot of those, the stupid misunderstanding or like being upset or him finding out that he's the Ghost Valley King and it being this big thing. And it just never was like they always just understood each other and were there for each other and always saved, you know, themselves or each other like whenever they needed it. And they were they weren't perfect, but they were perfect for each other. So. And it was like epic romance. Right. I'm sorry. None. This is not bromance. This is not. This no. is an epic romance. romance. <laughs> they are willing. They are both willing to die for one another. Like there is so much. Like it is so romantic in the true definition of romantic. The idea that like, you know, like they constantly would be willing to die for one another and have tried or did or (laughs) well and that's (laughs) their goal is to die together right right go to the very end together you know whenever that might be right well and even when they were looking at that group of people that were they said were like soulmates um they they could see themselves kind of in the future just being together um i just thought that this was done really well i mean the how you could interpret this as anything else is beyond me because their their glances at each other they're just the brush of their shoulders the touch of a hand i mean it was romantic like swoony they are my favorite couple of the year actually so i love them the actors and the director did such an amazing job at showing that even that kind of relationship, even without showing the physical, because a lot of um, different dramas in different from different countries that are like this, it's all about those scenes where they're, you know, the awkward moments and the and the touching and the skinship and all that kind of stuff. And for them, it it was everything else. And that tends to be in real life, your romance with your your spouse. That's what it's all about. And they showed that so well that they didn't have they they not they didn't once hold hands. That, that you could see on screen. There was a couple of shots from behind that looked like they could have been holding hands. Um, but they didn't, you know, they didn't do any of that. But yet you could see it all. It was really, they really well done. Yeah. What you guys have said. I just, <laughs> my heart flutters with these two. So romantic. Very much. 
And I even love when one of them gets hurt and they get to lounge against the other and stare into each other's eyes. Like, <laughs> they did that Aww. quite a few times, yes. Yeah. yeah. There was well, a when lot of that's that. approved skinship, I yeah. mean, you do what you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this would be Drama Geek's favorite part, mm-hmm. the Five Like she, Alliance. She almost gave it to me to, to introduce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get a text I know, at 1 I was o'clock gonna, in the morning. I was just going through and I'm like, Five Like Alliance, it's time for Drama Geek. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Unless we want to hear a lot of cursing, we better. <laughs> <laughs> so we have five link, five lake alliance that is sort of like this thread that goes through the whole story. There are five brothers and a few friends, and <laughs> <laughs> everything's going really well until <laughs> jealousy and greed take over. And so um, out. then we have one myself. brother who uh, uses everyone against everyone else and they all end up dead except for the evil daddy uncle um, because he is so he's Chung Ling's uncle and then Scorpion King's adopted dad. Um, so what works with this story arc and what doesn't? And now Drama Geek is going to be talking about how much she hates all the politicking and how this is the most boring part. (laughs) So let me go first and just say that, you know, this having this five like alliance piece, it was it's somewhat a plot device because we are it gives, you know, everybody somebody to sort of like for them to be plotting against um and, and to have this whole, like, this idea of the, I can't stop calling it the glazed donut now, <laughs> the glazed armor, which I, the whole, when I first thought armor, I thought, like, it was going to be, like, a suit of armor, but really, it's just, like, this, you know, like, glass bracelet-looking thing, and then everybody wants the key, and so on and so forth, but it is sort of a plot device, and honestly, I'm still a little confused, because you have the the ghosts that, um, uh, Lao, like when Kashing is in charge of, mm-hmm. yet they sort of go rogue for a while, and it's so it's hard at times to tell, like, is he really in control of them or not in control of them, and so on and so forth. But anyway, I'll just say that uh, the Five Lake Alliance is is sort of a plot device, in my opinion. K Muse, what do you think? I think it is a plot device. But I think it was used well, just if you look at the story written out. I mean, it definitely got to get a bit funky here and there just because the script writer and director decided to do some, well, we're going to hide these aspects. So there's this big reveal later on. Uh, They did that with several of the stories. But when everything's revealed, I think it does work like logistically as you know it's a good setup for the bad guy and you know why when has revenge and all of this stuff i think it worked i think when it came down to it it worked better than the emperor being a bad guy that one kind of fizzled for me and so you know is is it the most dynamic bad guy ever no but it worked for what it was I think that here is where um, 
adding to a shorter story and knowing what parts might play out more interesting on screen versus what you've written. Um, it was part of, for me, what the first part of the series having so much focus on the Five Lake Alliance and the actors involved in it just not being that interesting or dynamic. I fast forwarded through almost any scene that the brothers were in. <laughs> like they just bored me to death. But as we progressed and then we whittled it down to the one brother that lasts, that is the evil one, him and himself, he wasn't really that interesting as an actor. I mean, he had some interesting moments. But his relationship with his adopted son and their weird dynamic was very, <laughs> was very and, and I've heard from people who have read Super the book that they're supposed to have a weird dynamic and that the vibes I was getting the first time I saw them on screen together were correct. But um, that I felt that aspect of it was much more interesting and that I think that the other aspect of the Five Lake Alliance and the Heroes Conference and all of that comes down to budget. I don't think there was enough budget to make the Heroes Conference anything that was interesting at all. They're all just standing at this like, I don't even know what it, it was, like stone? a staging area, stone, Rock. right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, and because during those sequences, we kept having the, our our couple run off to the same lake every single time and camp there and then run back and then, you know, back and forth. And it just kept being these really cool, you know, sweet scenes and fun with them being all flirty and getting to know each other. And then back to the boring brothers of the five Lake Alliance and this glazed armor. And everybody wants this glazed armor and it's this big deal. And they want to open the cave and the cave is this huge deal. And it's this big thing. And then of course at the end, it ends up having grain and, farming books in it but <clears throat> I guess that's the joke on everybody else because they get to live there and eat ice and fight in quotation marks for the rest of their lives but like that, that that's my that was my biggest issue is I don't necessarily think that in and of itself they were boring I think that how much time was spent on it how much that the actors playing it just weren't that interesting to me and the budget just all of that kind of made it where it weighted it down a little bit. But at, once I got to a certain point, then I wasn't fast forwarding. I was really interested in I also the ghost people at first, I really wasn't interested in them that much at all until I got to a certain point. And then I really I liked the I don't remember which they had so many different ghost names. I can't remember but the white the glamorous ghost and the yeah. um I really liked the white-haired ghost and her underlings relationship. Yeah. And tragic comic ghost. Yeah. Yeah. So they became more interesting kind of once I knew what was going on, but the other part of it, and it may have helped watching it again, like K-Muse did, but the other part of it is just not knowing what was going on helped. Because they don't let you know. Right. Because there's all these reveals and later you go, oh, this is that person, that person, that person, and they were murdered. But the first time through, it's like, I have no clue who any of these people are. Right. But it's a little easier if you watch it a second time. Right. Well, because, like, I don't, I didn't remember the red, I guess I, I I don't know. I watched it, it, and then I realized that they did show the, the Ghost Valley King at the very beginning with the famous uh, Nuts 
that they use for product placement. I had to, I put a note. Yes. I was like, we have to talk about the product placement because those nuts I love appear. the nuts. <laughs> the best product placement ever. Yeah. yeah. So he, he is there at the beginning, but because you don't really know who he is, I really wasn't like, so there was just a lot of like, because we didn't know who piece, what pieces were what, it was a little confusing. And then I admit I was fast forwarding through a lot of scenes where I was like, I just want to get to those two together. Oh, I just want to get to those two together. <laughs> <laughs> I also wasn't planning on pot of uh, doing a positive recap and then doing a podcast on it either. So I changed the way I was viewing things after the first couple, like first six episodes or whatever. So, yeah. All right. All right. So let's talk about Scorpion King and his character. <laughs> he is used as both an anti-hero at times, as well as a villain and we should discuss what worked for us and what didn't. But here are some of his descriptions. He has a daddy kink totally. with evil uncle, daddy. Uh-huh. <laughs> and before you think we're like looking into this, like I guess in the story, the evil uncle had like a harem of pretty boys. Mm-hmm. And Scorpion King was one of them. And... It went very easily. Oh, yes, for yes, daddy uncle. <laughs> so, sorry. So we were not, not like, seeing things oh, that were seriously. Yeah. So that happened. <laughs> and he's very smart, very lethal, and so he's definitely, I think, the best tactician out of any of the characters we see because mm-hmm. he's like. 10 steps ahead of everyone else, including when and Ashu, you know, he's really has this elaborate plot to get total, total power. He wants power originally for his daddy, but later (laughs) for himself. And he's going to share for his daddy who he has confined to a wheelchair and he can't do anything. I can't speak or move or anything. Yes. So again, I I said earlier, I feel like if he'd been introduced a little earlier, I would have not been fast forwarding through scenes at all with him in there. He was a very dynamic character. His, the, this actor was originally offered the role of, uh, when Kishing and (gasps) he turned it down after reading the script and wanted Scorpion King instead. So I, I do think that, and I think he has the ability, like I could totally see him doing all the stuff, uh, that are beautiful, talented <laughs> actor that did when Kishin did. But, um, so he, he embraced this role and I, he, if he, if his character had come upon his own, um, Aju, his own soulmate, I think he could have had a similar uh, redemption arc as as the other guy did because he was very similar he was broken he was manipulated he was probably groomed from very young all of that and so I think that he could have had a different ending but I'm kind of glad that it was it was a it was a very um fitting ending for him and I'm glad he kind of got a little period of time where he was able to hold some stuff over his dad and 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 torment him a little bit before they all came to their end so I thoroughly enjoyed his character I agree I'm the minute he came onto my screen I remember thinking 
oh, K-Muse is going to be all over him <laughs> because he reminded me of one of the characters in uh, one of the things that we've podcasted in the, about in the past. Yeah, it was the... Um, Oh, that one. I was actually oh somebody else. (laughs) Him, but I was thinking of the of the hot (laughs) evil bad guy from, um. Oh, what's the one that we did? We did. There was a second season to it, but we didn't really like the second season. Oh, Um, Evernight. Yes. So there was the. Anyway, I was like, (laughs) she always goes for the hot evil bad guy with braids, but (laughs) so. And I mean, his guy liner was fabulous. So you have, but I, I really thought he was a very interesting character because I almost felt sorry for him at times. And then I would think, oh God, he's really cruel and awful. And then I'd be like, oh, like he really kind of like, I went back and forth and back and forth. And then I'd be like, wow, he's really hot. Um, and then I'd be like, he just no, no, no. wanted to be loved. Exactly. Dad. <laughs> And he liked killing people. Like, come on, you can't, you can't he deny did. that. He totally <laughs> did. Because he, yeah, like a hot serial killer with daddy issues. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly why I knew you would love him. Yes. Uh, He's just had, your type. Well, and I adored that scene where he. So he's been betrayed by his daddy uncle, who has agreed to kill him off because. Other people in the righteous sect groups think that Scorpion King is kind of beneath them and is, you know, one step above the Ghost Valley. And so he finds out that he's going to be murdered by his dad. And so in order to... Well, this is messed up. So he has it so his dad... He gives him a poison, so his dad is completely uh, paraplegic. He can't move. He can't talk because he says if he talks, then he convinces Scorpion King that he's sincere and he won't. He'll screw him over. So instead, he's keeping him kind of as a daddy doll where he just pampers him and takes him around and, like, hugs him and feeds him wine. It's really creepy. That's really creepy when you put it that way. Yes, it is very creepy. He has his own little daddy doll who can't betray him. And so <laughs> I'm just saying. Yes, yes, yes. It is very creepy. But yes, so he makes sure he's pampered and he has people doing his nails and taking care of and grooming him. And it's just weird, but deliciously weird. Like I totally supported that ending for both of them because it was as messed up as they were so how does when cushing's character develop over the course of the drama are we impressed where the writer ended his story so i think it depends on on where we're talking about the end of his story um so first of all I loved his character development. I loved that we start out with he's just kind of, I don't know. Crazy. He's just, well, okay, he's crazy and cold and, and like he's, he's been just hurt in so many different ways. And he, he's 
kind of guarded his heart because he grew up in really an abusive situation. I mean, the most abusive you could imagine, right? Like he's just been in in this very violent upbringing after his parents passed away. And so I think that um, seeing him go from like just crazy killing everybody, meeting his soulmate, feeling like he wants to protect his soulmate from this side of him. So he like, he does all these things and tries to not let him know about it. And then we have like just the way that their relationship developed. And as their relationship developed, he really changed and showed this side of him that had been there all along. Um, but he really had to keep hidden in order to survive. And then, of course, we get to the end where he is able to sacrifice himself for his soulmate, which was just beautiful. And then he has the most amazing, gorgeous, like white flowing hair. I was like, oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> and so and the end of 36, I was actually satisfied because I thought, OK, like he was able to sacrifice for his soulmate and we have this kind of ending, but then you see the little clip on 37 and we see that they're still up in the air fighting with each other and having a good old time. So I liked it. I was satisfied. I think for me, I really appreciated how they had a very distinctive, we found out his plan was just to have pretty much everyone kill each other because the ghost valley he didn't have emotions for them because they were the instrument that killed his parents he was upset at the pugilist world because they had all deserted his family when they needed them and were left to fend for themselves and of course um evil daddy uncle was the main villain that caused all this to happen and sent the ghost valley after him and so I really liked how originally he was planning on just bringing both factions together so they could just kill each other off. And then he changed his mind and was like, this one person is the person that betrayed my family. So I want to get revenge on him, but I'm not going to destroy everyone else and myself in this whole endeavor. And so I really like that he looked at humanity different. Um, unfortunately it didn't work out quite as well because there's racist psycho nut jobs out in the world and they weren't going to let there be peace. And so everyone kind of ended up dying anyway, but still, <laughs> you know, at least he had a change of heart and was a decent person in the end. And so I really like that. So I really liked the, um, both of their characters kind of arc because when they meet Aju is like ready to just give up and he needed space from all of the horrible things that were going that he was having to do and you know we find out later that he knows pretty early on that he's the 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 ghost valley king but he sees him through the eyes of like obviously everybody in like he he worked for the king the emperor he knows hey the emperor's not good he made me do all these evil things these other people they're not that great either so like he was kind of seeing it for the we might say that it's the ghost valley horrible sect they do all the bad things but we know that's not true and so him being able to see him that way helped 
I feel like uh, when Kishing's like his story arc of him being able to kind of realize who he truly was and his roots and that he could be who he was before and he didn't have to. And even there was some, it was toward the end and it was um, the, his, uh, the girl uh, her saying, well, oh, now that makes sense of why he taught me things a certain way. So she, you know, she always knew he was good, but toward the end she realized he was even better you know, and that he was kind of pretending to be bad in certain ways. So I like, I, I loved that kind of, uh, aspect of being able to see him through her eyes of like, cause he took her in when she was young and had to train her to do all this, the horrible things that the ghost Valley was doing too, but he also like helped her be a good person as well. So I liked all of like, especially how by the end, um, you kind of both of them come back to who they were when they were kids before all of the death and destruction happened and they were able to just kind of like be themselves and be with each other and not have to be these horrible people that the world had kind of and again everybody in this world was not the best you know everybody was murderers and selfish and trying to get what they felt they deserved and everything so I was just happy that um, being able to see both of them change and grow towards each other. And and again, back to who they were when they were kids. So this next plot point like broke my heart, but it was so gorgeous and probably one of my favorite scenes of the whole drama cinematic wise. And this is the wedding of death where, um, how would you pronounce this? Cao Wenying? Sao Wenning. Sao Wenning and Ajing. Um, they were going to get married. They were eloping. They were going to have this gorgeous wedding in the Ghost Valley. And the last second, a bunch of members from uh, uh, sect, sect yeah. came. And they come in supposedly bringing presents. And really, his master comes and he cracks his neck and kills him. And then there's this massive fight in the ghost Valley against these supposed heroes and the ghost Valley people. And just, uh, it was, a. I felt so horrible that they died and it was so tragic, but man, they look so gorgeous fighting and, just the colors of the outfits and everything. It was just really phenomenal as a scene. So this is another scene that I was watching where my kids were nearby and they're watching and he's like touching his face and he's like, Oh, you know, like being all nice to him and everything. And I turned to my youngest and I was like, Oh, it's not that kind of drama that don't worry about it. He's not going to like crack his neck or anything. And then all of a sudden he does it. I scream so loud. I was like, I can't believe he just did that. And especially to such a sweet cinnamon roll. But not, okay, but not five minutes before I'm watching that scene, I had messaged uh, K-Muse and I was like, I think that you and um, Jen are going to be really thirsty when you're watching this because there is not enough bloodshed at the end of this drama, like for this drama. (laughs) (laughs) There's no blood. And then all of a sudden, crack of the neck blood everywhere you know the 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 bride to be having to fight to her death it was 
I was like, well, okay, her okay. hair was so gorgeous. Yes. Oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> that that was beautiful though. Yeah. Like, I mean, not not so I was so this was the the scene I was watching in the car trying to um binge before our podcast. So I just watched this and watching the um like when he put his hands on his face and I was like, Oh, what are you doing? <laughs> like I started to get a little bit and then I was like, Oh no way. So my husband's like, what? And I was like, nothing, nothing, nothing. And then <laughs> she's like this warrior goddess mm-hmm. where she just, all of her training from being in the ghost Valley, like kicks in and she just starts killing people and then has her own tragic ending. And it was gorgeous, but awful. All right, so let's take a quick talk. Let's take a quick talk. That I, I shouldn't be reading what KMU's writes at one o'clock in the morning um, about the glazed armor, the romantic hairpin key, and how it brought out the greed of everyone. Does this armory make any sense? No. And did we like how this moved the plot forward? Okay, so I. And and this this happens in shows that are not like not just uh, Asian shows that we watch or whatever, um, but that there's this one thing that they keep talking about over and over, and it's this super special thing, and they have to have this thing. That kind of plot thing kind of drives me crazy a little bit, and that was this this glazed armor. Um, I still, I do think that I may have let um, it, everything play out the way that uh, Kaixing originally want, wanted it. Because if they're going to kill each other, just let them kill each other. Like that, <laughs> that was my like, <laughs> it was a brilliant plan. They're evil. They're selfish. They're power hungry. Just let them all kill each other. And then, you know, they'll be left behind. But I thought it was I mean, it worked because it was a romance that the uh the um what is it the cave or the armory that's what it, I was like I know I keep calling it a cave but it's, it's an armory didn't really have what everybody was thinking it had like the, it wasn't this all-powerful like all of these mystical magical wonderful books of you know you're going to be able to do all of the special forms and um and everything I mean, it did have the life-saving thing that they needed but other than that it had like grain and farming books in it. (laughs) You know, like, I don't know. It just ended up being like, huh? But it was a perfect place for them to live out the rest of their lives. So again, because it was a romance, it worked. (laughs) And I thought it was so romantic that, um, when gave his super special key to, (laughs) it was hidden in the, um, jade hairpin that he's like brushing his hair and he makes it all pretty and puts the hairpin in and you know gets his special key to his soulmate it was very beautiful so I need to go back and watch that scene because at the end I was like oh when did he give that to him and now that you're talking oh, about that scene I do yeah, remember he was brushing his hair it and was a thing the- like it was yes. a moment. It was. Yeah. It was a moment. It, it was, was like a bow chicka wow wow moment. It <laughs> really never happened because they're censors. <laughs> it really was. I mean, like, because he brushes his hair and he twines it around and he puts that in. And I was like, he takes it out of his own hair and puts it into his 
little top knot. It was a thing. It was. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to was, go back. I might need to go and back watch and watch that, that again. But as far <laughs> as far as far as like what they discovered in the armory, all I could remember is. I swear, years ago, I watched like a like a Ducktales or Scrooge McDuck <laughs> or something like that, and they were like after the treasure, and it was like corn or something like that, where they're like, "Yes, kids, because corn is what we need." So whatever it was, and they were all like so disappointed. But it might not have been Scrooge McDuck, but it was something like that. Um, Scooby Doo, I don't know something, but all I can. <laughs> But of course, that makes sense that 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 would be. But then I was like, but what about this book that's supposed to heal everybody? And like, that wasn't there. Like, I don't understand. They they saw it at the very beginning. That was the first thing he saw. He's like, oh, was that. So why didn't he? It was with the other books. Okay, well, why didn't he use it to make sure that he could heal his friend? Or maybe he did. If he used the six keys of longevity or whatever. That, um, he, what's his name? The sword master. The white, yeah. 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 What he used to stay long, if he used that, then he could fix, um, all of everything. It just probably would kill him, but obviously it didn't end up. He was strong enough to survive it, but it probably would have killed him. The (laughs) other one, it would have killed him. And remember the... Because he Man said a, crazy li- a life for a life or whatever. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. And then when oh. he got his life back, he had gone crazy because he wasn't quite right. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, see. it makes sense. That yeah. makes perfect sense. All that, that special chi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So did we have a favorite scene? And I think my favorite scene, the one that had me going like all pitter-pattery, was when Ashu had been kidnapped by the emperor and taken and he was being tortured and he's saved and is being taken in a carriage back and mm. the emperor's troops come down to get him. And then when Keishi, or when comes and does his little fan thing and slices a bunch of heads with his <laughs> fan as he flutters down to the ground, and then all of his um, his warriors are back on his side and come in to fight from the Ghost Valley, I love that scene. And I wish it had had more money behind it because it was a great, like, hoorah moment. Yeah. And... It would have been even better if it had money to actually create the scenes that would have been in that you could have done if you had funding. So, yeah, I think for me, because it wasn't a big budget with like the the big fight scenes with lots of people and that kind of thing. For me, it was more small moments like. I loved the I love as I had said before, I liked it when they first met and they were showing off their footwork uh, and they're fan fighting um, kind of in the peach blossom area or whatever. I liked that. Um, I, I really liked the transfer of the key from his from one top knot to the other. Um, and just some of the small moments together. Just the, I thought there were some like really beautiful moments where the lighting was just right. Um, and so not really a specific favorite scene, but just a lot of those little tiny moments for me. So I 
one of the scenes that I remember the most from toward the beginning, um, it was kind of, I don't know, a couple of episodes. Anyway, it's when he finally gets him to get rid of his disguise. Um, they do a lot of, of fighting uh, around the water and then they fight on the boat and they're flipping around each other and everything. And again, we've said their fighting scenes kind of are the, in place of what has to be censored out. So the, their fight scenes are always very slow and they show them looking at each other when they're passing over each other. So it's a very stylized fighting, but it's also like their robes are all swishing around. And I watched some behind the scenes of some of that being filmed and I was just like, wow, they're pretty impressive doing all that themselves and everything. So I really enjoyed that. And then of course he falls in the water, his disguise comes off and then we get the, the uh, face that we've grown to love now. <laughs> Um, and he's not disguised anymore. And he's finally like being truly who he is with, uh, Wen Keqing. So that's, that scene sticks out to me. I remember really thinking it was lovely. So now that we've kind of talked about favorite scenes and our characters, would we recommend this to our listeners? And for me, um, yeah, of course, like this is my favorite. <laughs> favorite romance of the year so far i they are so swoony and just um it it doesn't matter even if you are somebody who doesn't like you know the bl genre it's not there you know there's nothing that is outwardly um i mean you you could certainly tell yourself they're just soulmates best friends but it is so romantic um so i just have to say yes i recommend it so I think any of my gripes or complaints would disappear if I binged watched the whole thing. We started watching it and then I, I had to slow down and we were doing a positive recap. So I had to watch a couple, you know, four episodes at a time and it slowed it down. So I think most of my complaints about the beginning um, and, and their scenes and stuff would just disappear. So I think that it is um, with the caveat that for the budget, unfortunately, they didn't get the budget of some a lot of other dramas. So there are, you know, some scenes where you're like, oh, OK, yeah, this could have been. And we talked about that. We could have been better with the fight scenes and different things like that. But for the budget, it really was an amazing story. And I really loved uh, this couple a ton. And they are definitely going on my favorites list for the year. And I also agree that it is definitely worth watching. You have super memorable characters, not just our OTP. There's a lot of side characters that I really enjoyed. I enjoyed Scorpion King as the villain and some of his underlings. There's adventure and romance, and it's just a solid story. Like, especially once you work out all of the storylines, you know, it's definitely worth watching. And I do, don't get me wrong, I actually would have been okay with the ending with 36. It's not that happy ever after, but I felt that it would have been okay as a story as well. You know, it's it's complete. I felt it was very complete. And But if you can find the special ending, definitely go for that because it makes it even happier. Like, mm -hmm. And you're just kind of like, oh, they're together forever. You know, <laughs> and so both endings were very satisfying. I was very happy with it. And it was just a really solid story. Agree. 
So on that note, thanks for joining us. We'd love to hear what you thought about this episode. You can reach us as always on Twitter or Facebook or through here on our Patreon page. And the links, of course, will be in our show notes. We love blogging about Asian dramas, but behind the scenes, we have so much more to say and we want to share it with you. And talking is so much faster than typing.